morning, everybody. <clears throat> so the title is, of this year is How Rus Merited, How She Had Discussed to Become the, the Mother of Malchus, which is a title that she's given. <clears throat> so the story of Rus, the Megillus Rus, is uh, one of the you know, national treasures of Kaliusrol. And there are so many lessons in Amuna and in, in Hashkafa and Halacha as well. Many Halachas are learned out of Megillus Rus. But ultimately, the Megillah was taught, was written, it's very clear, it was written to give us the yichus of Malchus based David, which is the final pasuk of the Megillah's Rus, as it starts with Rus, and it goes that she had, <coughs> eventually had as a great-grandson, David HaMelech. So the pur- purpose of the Megillah was to give us an understanding of where David HaMelech came from. So Rus was the mother of the whole king line, the king, kingly line in in Kaliusrom, <clears throat> and she's referred to as such, as we'll see soon. Now, one interesting thing, I, I always wonder about this in Tanakh, is that there's very little cross-referencing in Tanakh. For example, um, you have Megillus Esther, where you have Esther and you have Mordechai, where the Gedel Hadar, and they, they achieve this, they lead the generation through such a tremendous Yeshua, and such a tremendous Sarah, but there are a number of other Sifrei Tanakh that exist at the same time period, Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, no mention of Mordechai anywhere in those Sfarim. He is mentioned, uh, according to Chazal, he's called Psachia. Uh, so he's mentioned by a different name. But there's no, he's not, for some reason, not used, the same name is not used. He's not called Mordechai anywhere else. Likewise, in the Megillah, there's Hasach, who Chazal tell us is Daniel. Now, Daniel is a famous person, right? The whole, he has a whole sefer in Tanakh. He was a leader of Kal Yisrael. Um, and in Sefer Daniel, he's just called Daniel. But yet, when you come to Miguel Sester, he's given this enigmatic name, Hasaf. So it's just interesting. There's very little cross-referencing. And here's not an exception. Bayaz, excuse me, was one of the Shaiftim. So you'd expect to find his name somewhere in Sefer Shaiftim. It is, but under a different name. He's called Ifsan in Sefer Shaiftim. So I don't really know the reason for this. Why it is it's like very rare that you'll find a real cross-reference from this, with the same name from one place in Tanakh to the next. And uh, Rus here is also the same way. She's not mentioned anywhere else, but she is mentioned one other place in Tanakh by title. And that's the first uh, Maramakam of the beginning of Malachim. Parag Bays of Malachim. <coughs> it says, there's a story going on over here that, um, <coughs> that uh, Shlomo Melach, before he became king, uh, there was a contender to the throne. So David Malch was still alive, and he had a son named Adeniyahu, Adeniyahu ben Chagis. And Adeniyahu ben Chagis was assuming that he was going to be the next king. He was going to be the one who was going to take over the throne. And he had made for himself a huge party. So the first parak of, uh, of Malachim, uh, he had made himself a huge party, and he had the support of Yoyah ben Shruya, who was a general of Israel. He had the support of, uh, of Yasser HaKayin, who had formerly been the Kayin Gadol. So all the greatest uh, of people of Israel were supporting him and for his claim to the throne. But David HaMalach found out about it and institu- and and put... Uh, installed Shleima HaMalach on the throne. He had him already, uh, had Meshicha, in other words, he had the, the process of crowning to take, took place even while he was still alive. And now David HaMalach had passed away, and Shleima HaMalach was the king. Now, Daniel ben Chagas approached Bathsheba, who's the mother of Shleima HaMalach, and with a small request, he said, I would like to marry <coughs> Avishag Ashunamas. Avishag Ashunamas was David HaMalach's final wife, but it wasn't exactly his wife, so therefore he was permitted to marry her. <coughs> and uh, he asked if she could entreat upon Shlomo Melech 
to ask to have uh, him marry Abishak So here's where it starts. <coughs> so Bashava approached to talk to him about this request of Adonio. And the king stood up to greet her, and he bowed to her. And then he sat on his throne. And he prepared a chair for the mother of the king, which presumably seems to mean Bashava. And she sat to his right. And then she said, I have a small little request from you. Don't uh, ignore me. My mother, please ask. I won't refuse you. And she said, Give Abishag to your brother as a wife. saw through this as a ruse. He understood that this was just one of the, a plan that Adinio was trying to um, usurp the kingdom from him, and he was going to start by marrying one of David Amal's wives, which would appear to be that he was the real, uh, you know, real, the real inha- in, the person to inherit the, the throne. So Vayan Hamal Shlom Yermelima. So Hashem Amal answered and told his mother, Why are you asking? That Abishag Hashunam should marry Adonio. Shalalasamlucha. Why don't you just ask me to give him the the kingdom? Ki hu Ochi Hagalami Manu. He first of all he's my older brother. Vloya Vloya Yasser Kain, and he has the support of Yasser, who's the Kain Gadol Yai Ben Sriya, and the general Yai Ben Sriya. So eventually, Adonio, from making this request and starting to plan a uh, a takeover, was put to death, as is the 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 halacha with someone who's married to Malchus. So <clears throat> this is an interesting story in the beginning of Tanakh. But what's interesting to us is the words that are bolded. It says, They brought out a, a, a chair for the mother of the king, which we thought means, um, we thought means uh, Bathsheba, but Chazal say that's not who it means. Look at the Gemara, the Gemara about Basra. That's how the Alpham base. So the Gemara has this Pasuk <coughs> in uh, Dibrahe Yaman, a lot of, a lot of very enigmatic Pesukim in Dibrahe Yaman. This is one of them. So it says a whole bunch of names, and afterwards it says, Hema Hayoitzrim, they're the ones who created, Vyoshve Natayim, and they are they, they they lived as planted, like, like they were strong and established. Vigidra Mamelach, and they uh, surrounded the king, Ubumlachta in his work, Vyoshusham, and they sat there. So the Gemara the the that the Pasik doesn't really make sense the way it says, Darshan's it to mean something else. Yoshve Natayim Zeshlaimel, that refers to actually Shlaimel himself. He, became, he was very established in his kingdom. He was the most powerful king ever in Kali Yisrael. It was before Kali, the, the kingdom of Kali Yisrael had split into two parts. So that was, he was the most established king. This is referring to Rus. She saw, she witnessed with her own eyes the kingdom of Shlaima HaMalach, who was the grandson of her grandson. They brought out a chair for the mother of the king. It doesn't mean for Bathsheba. They brought out a chair for Rus, who was the mother of Malchus. Now, according to that, you read this pasuk that they brought out a chair for the mother of Malchus, the great grandmother, was Rus. refers to Bathsheba, and Bathsheba sat to his right, so she sat to his left, and he and Bathsheba sat to to his his right. So now, <clears throat> this is a, um, you know, a mind-blowing revelation, which you might have heard before, that Rus lived long enough to witness her great-great-great-grandson, 
Shlamhamal being installed and taking over his kingdom. And uh, the Medrash already comments on this uh, amazing longevity, that's this miraculous longevity that she was zeichet to. Take a look at number three. It's a Yalkut Shumayin Rus. It says, Rav Tanchuma Pasach, and Huma Darshan this Pasach in Yeshaya, Nidrashti Leloi Shalu. I looked for someone, even though they didn't ask for me, Zurachal Hazaina. Explains what it means over there. Nemtseisi Leloi Bikshuni, and I found, I was found, even though they didn't look for me, Zurus Hamaivia. She didn't leave this world until she witnessed Shlaima. They put a chair for the mother of the king, and this is referring to Rusa Mevia. She was the mother of the kingdom. So the Red Mediterranean it comments on the fact that she lived such a long time, and she lived so that she could see Shlaima Hamalach being installed on his throne. Now, <clears throat> Let's try to make a rough calculation of how old she must have been. <clears throat> if you look at uh, the final Pasik in Megillus Rus, take a look at this dialogue over here, it gives you the, the lineage starting from, um, starting from Peretz, who was the son of Yehuda, through David HaMalach. So look, we're going to skip over here. It's nice to, and number Dalit, but it's, uh, let's skip to um, Nachshain. That's in Pasik Chaf. Okay, second line. Aminadu Helet is Nachshain. And that's, you know, Nachshim and Aminadav. So what, the importance of us starting with Nachshim and Aminadav is because he was a Yetzim Mitzrayim. He was someone who left Mitzrayim. So that gives us a starting point because we know exactly when that was, okay? So Nachshim and Aminadav, Nachshim held a Salma. He had a son named Salma. Salman held as Bayaz. He had a son named Bayaz. That's our Bayaz, which was the, the husband of Rus. Bayaz held as Ayved. Ayved held as Yishai. Yishai held as David. And then Shlom Amal. So there's six um, generations from Nachshim until, I'm um, sorry, seven generations from Nachshon until, until Shlom HaMalach, right? Now, how much time passed from Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim until Shlom HaMalach? How much time period? So that also is a Pasuk Mepureshes, it's in Malachim, that when Shlom HaMalach built the Beis HaMikdash, which was seven years into his reign, it was 480 years after Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. So about 500 years after Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, right? So Shlom HaMalach became king at 12 years old, that's what Chazal say. And he built the base of Mikdash seven years after, it took seven years to build. So when he was about 20, the, it was about 500 years after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So we have seven generations spanning over 500 years. And not just that, but there's Nachshayim who left Mitzrayim. His son Salman was most likely be, um, born in Mitzrayim because Nachshayim was kind of old already at the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So his son Salman was probably also a Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So Bayaz, who was the grandson of Nachshayim, was born not that many generations after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Maybe one, many, maybe two generations after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And then we have, we have, so Bayaz is, let's say, 100 years after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So now you have 380 years till the, the, the Binyan Beis HaMikdash, almost 400 years till the Binyan Beis HaMikdash. And how many people are in between there? There is Ayved, uh, Ishai, David, and Shemamal, uh, just four generations for about 400 years. <laughs> so... Either every single one of them lived a very, very long life, because I'll say Yishai was the one who lived very long, 400 years, but it's, it's, it's just Muchach and the Psukim, it's not even a Chazal, it's just no other way to make sense of the generations between the amount of time that they covered. But Rus, she had to have been at least 300 years old, or maybe 400 years old. There's no, it's just there's no other way to calculate it. So Rus lived a, a miraculously long life, for the sake of her witnessing Shlomo HaMelech being instituted as king. 
Now, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> now, when you try to think about this, why it's uh, it's significant that her her yeah. I'm just a little confused. Timeline as far as cholesterol. <coughs> yeah. When does Rus come into play? So it's like this. So you see Matt and Tara is within the same year. They're in the midbar for 40 years. Okay. Okay, then they enter Eretz Yisrael. Then it begins the time of Yeshua, and then the Shaiftim. Okay. okay. Yeshua lived in Eretz Yisrael for, um, I think, how much it was? Uh, I don't remember. It was 20 years? No, it was uh, 10 years. And then at that point, the period of Shaiftim began, right? So now, Nachshon was the same age as Yeshua, right? He left Mitzrayim at the same time. His son, Aminadav, was the next generation. His son, I'm sorry, Salman, was the next generation, and then is already Bayaz. So I would put Bayaz, who was Ifzan, at a couple of generations, I don't know exactly how long each one lived, but somewhere soon after Yeshua passed away, which is the very beginning of Kali Yisrael's living in Eretz Yisrael. And then there was this long span. Like a hundred years after? Perhaps, right? At most. And then there's at least another 400 years until the base of Mikdash is built. And Rus was at that point, the beginning point of Eretz Yisrael, right? Because Bayez is the grandson of Nachshu ben Aminada. So she's somewhere all the way at the beginning of their history. And then... She was 40. Bayez was actually much older than her. Right. So she was young and she, he was old. But again, any, however you cut it, it's within 100 years of the, them entering Eretz Yisrael and they're still... I go 380 years till the base of Mikdash will be built. So no matter what, she's uh, very, very old. <coughs> now, <coughs> the significance of why she's mentioned at this particular point, where uh, Bathsheba comes to make this um, d- d- um, c- um, uh, request for that Adunio had, is because this was the final threat to Shlem HaMalach's throne. David HaMalach was challenged and challenged and challenged and challenged. Uh, with Shaul HaMalach, he was challenged, and with, there was constant challenges to his right to be king. Eventually, he was established as king, and it was recognized that even though he came from Rusamavia, he was a kosher, he could marry him, and so on and so forth. Shlem HaMalach had challenges. This was the final challenge to his throne. Adon Yehob Chagas was trying this ruse to marry Abishag, and it was overturned, he was put to death, and that was it. After that, Tikkun Malchus the Pasuk says, his, his kingdom was very powerful. So she got to witness the final step that was necessary that Shlomo HaMal should be fully established. So she truly witnessed, she lived to witness how her grandchildren were established in their kingdom and there was no claim, no argument, no, no error, uh, as Chazal say, on their right to rule. <coughs> That's why it's mentioned particularly over here. <clears throat> now, why, you wonder though, why is it so important that she should see Shlema HaMalach? Why wouldn't it be enough that she should see David HaMalach? That once David HaMalach became, took over the throne and all the issues, I mean, he's her grandson, and if it's Adonio, that's the king, if it's Shlema HaMalach, that's the king, what's the difference? It's all her grandchildren either way. So there's a Rambam. Take a look at this Rambam. It's a Rambam in Sefer HaMitzvah. Uh, it's number Zion here. <clears throat> Uh, you're not allowed to appoint a, a Jew as king, uh, someone who's a king who's not uh, Jewish. 
something like that. But the truth is, the Rambam says that the kingdom, we already know from the Svarim of the Nevi'im, that David is the one that ultimately was Zechah to it, and his children after him, until the end of all generations. There's no king. Anybody who believes in the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, Adain Kala Nevi'im, who was the, the, the master of all Nevi'im, Elam is Zerah Shloimah Levat. So the, the, it's interesting. Not Zerah David, but the, the king can only be from Shloimah Malach's children. That was when it actually was solidified who is going to be the ultimate lineage of the kings in Kaisra was not solidified with David HaMalach, it was still unclear. It was solidified with Shlema. You could only be a king if you're a child of Shlema HaMalach. And anybody from a different line other than this, uh, this when it comes to, to kingdom, he would be considered a Nachri, a foreigner, and it would be a Lysus, it would be an Avera to put him on the throne. Same way that you can't have anybody else being a Kayin, other than the children of Aaron a Kayin. And this is clear and there's no Safik. Now, there's another Rambam, take, turn the page over here, and he says it takes a step further. This is in Pirish of the Rambam, his Hakdama to uh, a parak in Sanhedrin that says all the Animamans and everything. So he says, We should believe about Yemaisa Mashiach. The Mashiach will come. And part of this is to believe that there won't be a king for Yisrael, based David from the house of David, and from the children of Shloim Malach alone. Anybody who argues with this lineage is being and the words of his Nevi'im. So that means that Mashiach Zikainu can only come. From Shlaima Hamalach. So when Rus was witnessing Shlaima Hamalach being finally instituted uh, firmly on his throne, she now had the schus to see that Mashiach was going to come from her lineage. Until that point, it wasn't clear. It wasn't established. When Shlaima Hamalach became established, then the, the kingdom was established. It was established who could become king, and the lineage of Mashiach was now ensured. So that's what she was zeichet to see. That was the schus she had to live through the time of Shlomo Malach was because it was only at that point when the, the Malchus of Beis David was solidified to the point where we now knew where Mashiach was going to come from. <clears throat> and she was promised that she was going to see this. She was promised <coughs> by, um, by Boyaz. Take a look at number Hey. <clears throat> this is a Yalkin in Rus. So when he tells her, when he meets her the first time, Bayas tells her, Yishalam Hashem pa'olcha, Hashem should repay you for what you've done. So Amr Allah, he told her, Misha asad l'shalam skar l'sadikim, Hashem who will eventually pay the reward to tzadikim, hu yitn skarcha, he will give you your reward. And then he tells her, Betihi maskur tocha shlema, and your repayment should be in full. That's the second thing that Bayas tells her. And that chazal darshan, shlema ksiv, but it means shloima. Ramazla shloima yam mimacha, that you will have shloima as your grandchild. So he was promised by Bayaz that this will be your schos. You will get to have shloima hamelach, who was the final, <coughs> the final um, peg, so to speak, in her, in, in her being the mother of Malchus. Bayaz promised that to her. And look a little further, he didn't only promise it to her, he symbolized it to her as well. This is the Gemara Mesechta Shabbos. He gave her some roasted wheat so they should eat. That that she ate means be made David, that she lived to see David HaMalach. 
Vatizba, she was satiated, means that she lived to see Shlav Yimei Shlema. Vatoisar, and she left over, which means that she didn't see, is Bimei Chizkiyo. She didn't get to see Chizkiyo HaMalach. And the understanding is like this. Vatoichal, when you begin to eat, means you begin to have the enjoyment of what you've labored. So David HaMalach was the beginning of that process, but it wasn't finalized yet. The kingdom wasn't clear. It wasn't established. Vatizba, she became satiated when she saw Shlaim HaMalach. At that point, it became, it became clear. It became... Um, established who was going to be the king and that she was going to be the mother. She didn't get to see Chizkiyo HaMalach, perhaps the re- relevance of that is that Chizkiyo HaMalach, as I'll say, would have become Mashiach. Roi Chizkiyo HaMalach, Mashiach, and there was a, just an Avera that prevented it from happening. So that's, that she didn't get to see, which would mean, in other words, that she would have had this chus to, would he have become Mashiach, perhaps she would have had this chus to even live and see him, to see the real final, you know, uh, Malchus being established, the Malchus for, of forever, of, of Mashiach Tzikhen. So this is just, you see the, <clears throat> how far this went, that Rus was the mother of all Malchus, and she was Zeicha to witness it, and to witness how it's established, to live an, a miraculous amount of years, just be able to see that. <clears throat> now, we know that when, um, uh, let's say, by light, right? So Hashem told him that you're not allowed to look back and see what's going on to Sadaim. And Rashi explains why. He says, because it's not your merit. You're only being saved in the merit of a Ramavina. You, you can't look and see something. You can't witness something unless it's in your own merit. You don't get a, it's not a special schus to see something you know, unusual of that sort, a real Maisa Hashem, unless it's in your own merit. So the fact that Rus was Zaycha to witness Shlom HaMalach is because it was in her own merit, which is what Bayaz told her, Yishalam HaShem Pa'alcha Ataiv, Tehim Eskortu This will be your full repayment when you get to see Shlom HaMalach. So it was her own merit that she merited to see Shlom HaMalach because it was her own merit to be the mother of Malchus. So, <clears throat> now that we've established what it was, who Rus was, what it was her position in Kali Yisrael, so let's try to understand why that is. Why was it? What qualities was it that Rus had that made her the choice pick of Imosh Malchus to be the mother, the matriarch of, of the, the Malchus of Klal Yisrael? <clears throat> so I want to share three possible approaches. I have different form talk about it, and you know, there's no chazal that says specifically what it was, but there's, there's, there are, I found three different approaches to understand, and each one is... They're, they're, they're beautiful lessons in their own right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> one thing everybody knows about Rus, and everybody should know about Rus, is her tznias. It's um, so it's a it's a uh, medrash and it's a gemara. So let's start from Ice Tess. It's a gemara masechta Shabbos. So Boyaz asked his uh, servant who was standing together with all the people who were reaping. Who is this? Uh, who is this woman? Now, the Gemara asks, Does Bayez look around and ask about women? Why would he do that? He saw something, he saw wisdom. He saw her demonstrating unusual wisdom. Tana, and the Brysa says, He saw a special Tznius about her. Oh, Shibalim, sorry. Shibalim, sorry. The wheat that was standing, she would pick it as she is standing, and but the ones that were flat on the floor, she would sit down before she picked it up. So that was an element of Tzniyas. We'll see in the Medrash, the next Maramakam here, it uh, explains a little further. Who is this woman? Didn't he know who she was? 
She was sweet and her, her actions are sweet, her deeds are sweet. He started asking about her. All the other women, when they pick up the wheat, they would bow, bend over and pick it up, which was a little less sinistic. But she, she would sit down before she picked it up. All the other women, when they try to walk through the wheat, they would pick up their skirts so it doesn't get tangled. She the opposite. She would put it even further down so that she, shouldn't, she should be even more sinistic. All the other women were schmoozing with uh, the reapers. She refrained not to talk to the other men who were there. She, other women wouldn't be so careful about what they would pick, and sometimes they pick things that didn't belong to them. She was careful only to choose from what's hefker. So he saw uh, three elements of tznius and one element of, one element of honesty that was unique about Rus. <coughs> she was extra careful to be tznua. But I think what the point, and you see the Medrash making this point, it wasn't just that she was Sanua. It was she was Sanua and everybody else wasn't. And was she was being mapped on concepts of Tznius that everybody else around her was not being careful about. And when you think about it, she was a GIRS and she definitely was trying to become part of society and become inculcated and to fit in. She still wanted a Shidduch, right? <coughs> and um, <coughs> here she was where all the other Jews were acting one way, and she chose to act in a different way. And that is one of the key qualities of Malchus, of being a king. Take a look over here. Um, this is a Shire Das. Shire Das is the Telzer Rosh Hashiva, Rav Yosef Yehuda Bloch. He was the Rosh Hashiva right before the war. So Telzer Yeshiva and the old Rosh Hashivas were killed by the Nazis. That was his son. Or Ram so this is one generation before that, just as Rav Yosef Leblach, and he wrote Shuri Das. So he has a whole long mimer, I'm just taking a tiny little piece out of it, but he has a long mimer to explain this concept, what is the quality of being a king. And this is what we call a king. When a person is able to elevate himself in the qualities of his, of his soul over his surroundings. He's strong about what he holds. He's strong in his understanding. He won't allow himself to be affected by his surroundings. He won't shake whatever wind blows from whatever direction. It's a very difficult thing for a person. Our, our teva is we want we uh, get affected by the people we associate with. Whatever everybody is okay with, that's what a person will will just submit to. Not people who just you know don't understand. The 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 They don't have any kind of uh, own identity. Even people who are wise. Ba'anshadaz, we will understand. Kashlam ma'id, it's very difficult for them, to free themselves. Minhadeis ha'ashkafois, from the ha'ashkafis that are shirers ba'ilam, that rule in the world. Ma'amidim heim, ba'idim ha'ashkafis ha'lamam. The fact is, that's what usually uh, creates and builds our understanding of the world. The sikhlam, ayisaitis ha'munachim ha'mukubam ba'ilam. We tend to just go with what is accepted and understood and, and accepted as true in the world. It's very hard for a person to find in himself as to find the correct understanding that's not um, it's not, not uh, 
not determined by the, his chaver, the people he hangs out with, or and the people he lives with. Shemati b'shem agoyin atzadik of Yisrael Salanter Zetzal. I heard in the name of Yisrael Salanter. Shabiyos memoram zal. Al ikvus of the Mashiach. He explained the Gemara that says that in time of the of Mashiach, pnei adark pnei akelav. The face of the generation will be like the face of a dog. So he explains what does that mean? That the face of the generation is like the face of a dog. Kishoraim eglo. When you see a uh, a carriage, the noisas it's traveling. The kelav and then there's a dog running in front of it. So who's in charge over here? Who's running the show? The dog is in the front, the carriage is in the back, so is the dog leading the carriage or is the carriage leading the dog? You would think perhaps that the dog is leading the carriage. He's running in front, and it seems like that the carriage is following him. But when they come to a split in the road where you need to make a decision what to do, what do you see? The, the dog stops and looks back. He wants to see where is the carriage going. From there we see it's not the Kelev who's really ruling here. Wherever the, 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 the carriage will go, he'll go. That's what's going to happen in the time of Mashiach. Pnei Adar means the people who rule the generation. They won't be able to rule their generation and lead their generation according to their own understanding. They're always going to turn around. They'll want to see what's accepted, what people want, and that's what they'll do. So. He explains, and again, like I said, he has a big arichas, that this is the defining quality of Malchus. Malchus is the ability of a king to separate himself from his surroundings, not be influenced by just what everybody else wants, what everybody else does, what everybody else thinks is right. He's able to be his own identity. He's able to to determine what's right and what's wrong based on the correct values, correct correct morals, without being influenced by his sviva. And this was one... Uh, or the, the very first thing that Boya saw about Rus. He saw not only that she's Tzniyaz, but that she's Tsunua and everybody else is not, and she's not being influenced by them. So that's the first understanding I have and why it is that Rus was the one who was worthy of being the mother <coughs> of Malchus. <coughs> the second approach is um, I saw in a safer called Asufois now it's written by uh, Rosh Hashiva. His name was Rav Chaim Yaakov Goldwicht. Chaim Yaakov Goldwicht, he died, he died in 1995. He was, um, he was a Talmud of Rav Nalzer. He, he, he was born in Yerushalayim. He was a Talmud of the Chazanish, of the Briskarav. He really all the G'dayim of that, those early years. And then later on, he established and built the Shiva of Karen Biavna, and he was Rosh Hashiva until he passed away. So he was uh, on the G'dayim Hadar in his time. So he explains as follows. It's a beautiful chapter. He quotes the Shem Yishmuel. That the Shemeshmol says that essentially it wasn't really possible for there to be a true king from Kali Yisrael because Kali Yisrael didn't possess naturally the Midah of Gaiva that it takes to be a king. A king requires a certain element of Gaiva, of haughtiness, of the ability to, to, you know, to, to, to push his way through and do what it has to be done. And Kali Yisrael naturally were Anavim, we just don't have it in us. And it had to come from Mayav. It had to be that, that character trait, that characteristic had to be uh, in, instituted into Kalei Yisrael, in, brought into Kalei Yisrael from the outside and had to be brought from Mayav. He quotes a Pasuk, the Shemishmol, he quotes a Pasuk in, um, in Yeshaya, a number of Pasukim, when it describes Mayav, it says, Shemanu Ga'in Mayav, we heard about the Ga'ib of Mayav, Ge'i 
it's very, very haughty. So the, the no, it's not in here. So it's, it was just one of the characteristics that were specific to the, the, the nation of Mayav that they possessed tremendous haughtiness. And he said that's why that Mida had to come from Mayav. Now, what's interesting is like this. The Torah, when the Torah talks about having a king, the Torah seems to say that's the worst thing about a king. That the Torah commands us, you know, you shouldn't marry too many wives, you shouldn't have too many horses, you shouldn't this and that. Levilti rum levava me'achav, so that he doesn't have a haughty heart and he doesn't feel himself greater than his brothers around. So the one thing the Torah tells us about a king is levilti rum levava me'achav, that he can't be more, we can't allow a king to become more haughty and have gaiva more than everybody around him. He can't see himself as greater because he needs to be a conduit for Malchus Shemayim. He has to be the hand of HaKadosh Baruch His kingdom just has to ref- reflect Hashem's kingdom. And if a person is a Valgaiva, then it's all about him. There's no place for Hashem to, and him to be in the same place. So here we had two things that were highly contradictory. We had, on one hand, a king needs a certain meat of Gaiva. And he quotes, and uh, you see that from Chazal, that that was the Taina, at least from learning the Psukim, on Shol. The Pasik says <clears> that Shmuel tells Shaul when Shaul had to deal with people that were opposing his throne, he told him, Halayim Katanatabeinecha, you might be small in your own eyes, because Shaul was a tremendous anav. Halayim Katanatabeinecha, you might be small in your own eyes, but Roy Shifte Yisrael Ata, you are the head of Shifte Yisrael, and you have to act as such. So it was something that Shaul, who did not come from Mayav, was struggling with. It was very difficult. Naturally, he was an anav. It was difficult for him to go beyond his anivus and do what needed to be done with Gaiva. And it led to, ultimately, when the final, the the mistake he made, which sealed his fate as losing the Malchus, is, I was scared of the nation, and I listened to what they say, which was similar to what we were saying before about Malchus. So there was a lack of Gaiva on part of Shaul, and due to that lack of Gaiva, it led him to the inability to be able to stand up and to remain unique and keep his identity and withstand the pressures of the nation. I was scared of them. So Rus, she was not only from Mayav, but she was from the, the, the king's lineage in Mayav. She was a princess. She was the daughter, granddaughter of Eglon Melech Mayav. So she was a, from the, 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 the royal family in Mayav. So she had every element of that quality of the royal Gaius, the, the, the royal Gaiva, the haughtiness that comes along with being from royal lineage. And at the same time, she demonstrated the greatest anava possible when she gave up everything just to do chesed. And it's specific that it was chesed that she was doing. Bayaz, when he meets her the first time, he tells her, It was told to me everything you did for Nami, for your mother-in-law. And later on he tells her again, your chesed, now that you're doing, that you want to marry me and nobody else, is even more than your original chesed that you accompanied Nami. So her accompanying Nami, now we, there's many ways to look at that, right? There's the fact that she's giving up everything to be a Jew and to be Davuk and Tyra. That is all true. But Bayas classified it as a chesed. She was doing it for Nami's sake, which means she was doing it not for her own sake. She was giving up from herself totally for the sake of Nami, which is the, the, the essence of what Anava is. Right? Anava is this total his battles of self. So a king, in order to be a king, has to be able to balance those two qualities. 
on one hand, to have the quality of gaiva, because you can't rule without it. You have to have that ability to see yourself as the head of all of Kalayashal and be able to make those decisions and to have that, 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 that self-confidence. Self, uh, but at the same time, she also demonstrated that it won't affect her ability to totally subjugate herself, totally give herself over to Kalayashal, give herself over, in this case, to Nami and to the future of Kalayashal. So it was this ability to balance these two qualities that made her the perfect choice to be Imashal Malchus. That's the second approach. <clears throat> now the third approach is um, more of a deeper approach and it's explained beautifully by Ramesha Shapiro <coughs> in uh, Zetzal, in his Sefer Fike Mayim. And uh, this, this begins with the name Rus itself. <clears throat> Take a look over here at um, Number Yud base second to the last mar, the second to the last mar malcolm here, Rus the Gemara bracha says my Rus what what is the meaning of her name Rus? Am Rav Yechanan shezachsa she had the schus v'yatsem imenu David the sherivehu la kadosh baruch hu b'shiris v'sishbacha so she is called Rus because she had a grandson David Amalach who so to speak made Hakadosh Baruch Hu full with his shiris with his praises and sishbachas and his um and his uh, shwachim so <clears throat> the word is shirais. Right? So her name is Rus, like the Rus of Shirais. She had a grandson, David, who, who said Shirais, so she's called Rus. So the Grand on this Gemara asks a question. My Rus, he says, the next, the next uh, piece here, your Gimel. My Rus, I'm Rav Yechonon, Shazach, Sviyatz, Menu, David, Shirivel, HaKadosh Baruch, Hashir, Sishbach. So Yishadach, he says, you could ask. We're missing the main part here. She'en kan shum remez b'meh Shirivehu. Uh, calling her Rus kinds of misses. He says, Yeser Taiviel Kreisa Shir. We should have called her Shir, Shira, I guess. <laughs> her name should have been Shira. And the Rus is like the, that's the wrong part of the word. It doesn't even tell you what it means. <clears throat> Amnam, I would have solved that whole Shira problem, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Amnam, Yesh Laimar, you could say, Hatam, Shanikreis Kane, the reason why she's called Rus. He says, Even before she was Mizgayer, she was obligated in the seven mitzvahs. And then when she was Megayer, she was Chayiv in seven, so now she had another Tav Reish Vav, right? So her name was going to be Rus, either way. Rus So she's going to have these three letters as her name. It was going to be, there's going to be a Tav, a Reish, and a Vav. So the question is, what order should we order the letters? Maybe her name should be Tar. Why should it be Rus or True? So her real name was based on the fact that she was a Giyores and she was Mikabal, the extra uh, 606 mitzvahs, and that's why she had the, uh, the Isis of Reshvav Saf in her name. The order of how her name was organized, that was because she had a grandson, David, who praised the Kajbrachos Shiris Shabbos. So we see then that her name was on the because of the fact that she accepted all these extra mitzvahs of the Torah. The question is, she's not the only Gyaris in the world, so why was it that Rus in particular was given the name that demonstrated the fact that she accepted all these extra mitzvahs? Every Gyaris does that, every Gyar does that, that's part of being a Gyar, Kabbalah's mitzvahs, right? A, <coughs> that doesn't, doesn't tell us anything unique about Rus. That's the question Rameshe Shapiro is, is addressing. <coughs> so he says as follows. Um, he says a fascinating thing. He explains that when the, the, 
Not now, now we're not talking about the quality of a king, but what a king needs to accomplish. He says, ultimately, what a king needs to accomplish is, and what Malach HaMashiach will accomplish in full. A king's purpose is to be ma'achadam, right? To bring together all different parts of the nation and to unify them. That's what, that's what a king accomplishes for Klai Yisrael. The problem that Klai Yisrael had without a king was that they lacked unity, they had different leaders, there was division among them, they didn't have one force who could lead them into war, they didn't have one force who could make decisions for them. So the purpose of a king is to unify. But he says it's more than that. A purpose, a purpose of a king of Klai Yisrael and a greater level is not just to unify, but to bring together the farthest reaches, the ones who are the furthest away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to bring them together to the main body of Klai Yisrael. And he says, which is what we, is the ultimate gilui of Malchus Shemayim, the ultimate, the point, point of when HaKadosh Baruch Hu's dominion uh, will be in its greatest, is as we say, it's uh, like we say in... Um, in uh, Rosh Hashanah Davening, right? The, the, the final paragraph, well, that's the whole paragraph that we say over there in the middle of Musaf, is when people who are the furthest away, they will hear about your greatness and they will come. That's when that's when he is crowned king, when the furthest people away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the ones who are the, the, the least connection to Ruchni, is the least connection to Kedusha, they come willingly and they accept the Kaddish Baruch Hu as king. So that what a king needs to accomplish, a Melch Yisrael needs to accomplish, is have that ability to bring, and to, 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 to bring together the, those who are the furthest away, the greatest levels of Tumah, the ones who are sunk the deepest in everything that's antithesis to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you can gather those people and cause them to accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu willingly, that's what a king needs to accomplish. And he says <clears throat> that Rus was the from the, 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 the royal family of, of uh, Mayav, so I mean, she was both a descendant of Balak and a descendant of Light. And he said those were the, the, the um, they, they were the ones who symbolized what's cursed in the world. Light's name itself, he says, means cursed. Light, Lamates means the curse in Aramaic. And Balak was the one who, you know, tried to curse Klal Yisrael. They were, they, they, Mayav is, I don't, know, you know, I don't know how all these things work, there's Mitzrayim, there's other nations, but there was a certain level of Tumah that they represented of being extremely far away from Bracha. Bracha is always, <clears throat> the, when, when you know, Kadosh Baruch Hu's presence is, is recognized and it's able to flow and it's able to, be, to have an effect, Klala is when it's the farthest removed. And Mayav was, rep- represented that, they were the furthest removed from Kadosh Baruch Hu, they were the, the depths of Klala. And Rus came from there. And she came from that distant, that, that such a distance from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and was mekabel on herself all the the, the, the mitzvahs of Hashem. <clears throat> so she, by doing that, was demonstrating or was was uh, actualizing the ability to do uh, do a thing like that. Uh, this that was that was why she was the one that was going to be the 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 mother of Malchus is because she possessed that or she did it. She was able to accomplish that within herself. She was able to take from the furthest reaches of Tumah and bring it willingly close to Hashem from her own volition come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And ultimately that's what a king has to be able to accomplish and that's what Malchus Shir is going to need to accomplish to get the furthest reaches, the people who are the furthest away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to bring them the closest to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It says like this, he quotes in Arizal. He says that uh, Hashem has many names. One of them is Aleph Dal Nun Yud. Aleph Dal Nun Yud 
uh, is the name that represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus. It's uh, Adoin, right? it's a master. So the name that HaKadosh Baruch Hu that represents his Malchus is Aleph Dal Nun Yud. Now, <clears throat> Aleph Dal Nun Yud is 65. That's the gematria of Aleph Dal Nun Yud. Now, Aleph Dal Nun Yud, if you spell it out, which means Aleph, Lamed, Fe, uh, Dalet, Lamed, Dalet, Nun, Vav, Nun, Yud, Vav, Dalet. So if you totally spell it out, and then you add it all up together, it comes out to 671. I take my word for it. <laughs> it's 671. 671, if you subtract just the Aleph Dal Nun which is the 65, it's Rus. So it's a 606. Okay? So that means Rus represents the hidden part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus. Aleph Dal Nun those are the letters that we see. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, the Aleph Dal Nun Yud. The hidden part is the part that's pronounced, but it's not actually written out. That's the Lamed Fe of an Aleph, that's the Lamed Dalet of a Dalet, and so on and so forth. So her, the, the gematria of her name represents the hidden part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus, which means to say HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Melech, Aleph Dal Nun Yud, but a lot of it is hidden meaning to say it hasn't yet been recognized by everybody, it hasn't yet been accepted by everybody, it hasn't reached all the furthest reaches, you haven't gotten to the point of Yishma Ruchay can be a value. And Rus, by her accepting HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reign, by her accepting those tough reish vav mitzvahs, accepting the extra mitzvahs, she began that process of bringing Hashem's malchus, even on the, for those who are the furthest, most hidden from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kingdom. And that's why her name represents the hidden part of Hashem's name, Al-Tadana. A result, but it's a, it's just a fascinating understanding in what Rus was. So according to this, <clears throat> the the last approach, again a much a much more of a deeper approach, the Pshat why Rus was the one to be the mother of Malchus was because she had the capability to do what a Melch needs to do. To the first two Pshatim we said, the Pshat number one was that she had the characteristic of strength to be able to hold herself apart from not be affected by her, her uh, sviva, not be affected by her community, to do what's right, to hold her own identity, which is a key characteristic of a king. The second shot we said is that she had the ability to balance these two meters. She brought in the gaiva that Maya possesses, the haughtiness that's necessary to rule, but at the same time had the ability to balance it with chesed, to totally give up from herself when it was necessary to give herself up totally. And lastly, she was able to accomplish what a king needs to accomplish, which means she could take something that was the furthest away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which was her, Mayav, uh, the, 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 the royal dynasty of Mayav, and represented everything that was wrong about Mayav, and she was able to be Mekabal, the, the, the mitzvahs. Rus could be Mekabal, the mitzvahs, and that's why it, her particularly that was given that name. She demonstrated that she can be the one to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malucha even to the places where it's the most hidden. That's why her, her name is the hidden part of Al Dal Nun Yud. So that's the three approaches why it was that Rus in particular was Zaycha to become the mother of Malchus. Thank you very much.